Welcome to the Church of Philadelphia podcast. Get ready for this message to ignite your faith as the power and love of God is shared through his word. Amen. Let's get right into the word, right into the word. We've been talking about standing in love. You know, it's always popular for people to say, hey, you know, I fell in love or people, even people to say, hey, I'm, I fell out of love. But we're talking about standing in a place of readiness to be able to love, amen, to be able to exemplify love, not to fail in loving not to fail in love as far as us being able to show that love, walk in love. Amen. So uh, this has been an awesome sermon series, a very challenging, you know, sermon series to be able to look at ourselves to see, are we truly standing in love or do we just know about love or do we know what love really is? But maybe we're not standing, you know, maybe we're just trying to receive it, but not give it right. You know, where are we at? Where are you at today? Amen. So I want to encourage you, you know, as we continue to go through this sermon series, go back, listen to some of the even from the beginning all the way up to now and let the Holy Spirit begin to teach you more and more and more about where you are as far as where you stand in love. Amen. Amen. We're going to be going to and talking about together, holding it together. Hold it together. We're going to be talking about hold it together. It's going to make sense. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. And we're going to read all the way down to verse 21. Amen. Amen. So, so for the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all that which lives should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, now, yet now, henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ, by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made in the righteousness of God in him. Amen. Amen. We're going to be talking about hold it together. Hold it together. Hold it together. Amen. Hold it together. You got to hold it together. Come on. You ought to tell somebody or tell yourself if you by yourself, hold it together. Hold it together. Amen. When we come to this book of uh, Corinthians, second Corinthians is kind of that book of redemption, that book of forgiveness, that book of reconciliation. Uh, this was a church that Paul had to really deal with in some hard issues. You know, there were some things that they were really 
doing. There was a lot of things out of order. And when you go through the book of First Corinthians, you can see how he really had to deal with a lot of things that they were dealing with as far as, you know, they were comparing themselves to each other. There was a lot of competition. There was a lot of spirituality, but yet still a lot of flesh. Now, you know, there was a lot of perversion that was going on in the church that was people were not saying anything, anything about. There were, you know, there was a, 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 you know, a lack of discipline in the church. There was a lack of discipline, though there was a display of power that still was a lack of discipline and he had to come as an apostle and really deal with the lack of discipline that was going on in the church and do and, and kind of say some harsh things so when you come to the book of second corinthians this is when he's saying look you know you can receive those that you know if they have truly repented you know if they're truly sorry if they've truly turned away you know then you can begin to receive those as those people who uh, you know really offended the church you can receive those people back as brethren and back into the fold uh, you know, so it was a book of, you know, forgiveness. It was a book of reconciliation, a book of redemption. This is what this particular letter was to the Corinthians, where the first one was very heavy. This one was more or less saying, hey, this is how you begin to mend things and come back to God. Amen. So it was showing us that love at times have to deal with some hard issues. You know, we have to deal with some hard things and the hard things that we deal with sometimes take some hard decisions to be made that can be un uncomfortable. It may be hurtful. You know, it, it, some emotions may be stirred up. Some people may not always agree with everything, you know, but it's necessary in order for the whole body to be healthy. Because, see, the one thing about the apostle, when you look at the apostle, apostle Paul and those in leadership, they have to be concerned about the whole body. So there's things that they may have to do because the whole body can be affected. Amen. And this is why it's important that what we do individually, the love walk that we have individually, what we, uh, you know, tolerate, what we put up with, the condition of our heart individually, our actions, our deeds, our behavior individually does have an effect on the whole body. Amen. So when he's talking about here, he's saying, look, you know, for the love of Christ constraineth us, constraineth us. You know, and if we're talking about love, you know, the definition for love, which we've gone over a few different times, but we want to go over it again, right? Love is to what welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly, shows empathy, extends the desire for good of the beloved, wants the best, extends help or demonstrates good intentions, and is intended for everyone right so this love the, the love of christ this is you should you see this in the walk of christ that you know he wanted the best for everyone even those that were his enemies you know you never see him totally condemning them and saying that they had no hope he's saying that they had no hope if they did not repent if they did not change but he never came to a place where he said you know there's no hope for you whatsoever he said a lot of hard things to his enemies but even in those hard things he was showing the love of christ he was showing the love of christ amen so i want to encourage you you know to really make sure that you show love even to your enemies even to your enemies amen that you show love to them you know that you show love to them amen so as as we're talking about this love this love that we're supposed to be showing this love of christ that constraineth us what does constraineth us mean or constraineth mean 
Amen. Uh, it means to be held by, closely occupied with the business, with any business, to hold fast like a prisoner. Pretty much, this is the hold it, holding it together. Constraining means I'm being held together by his love. Okay? Being held together to be able to live this life by his love. And, and, and as we're being held together by his love, this is what's supposed to guide us. This is what's supposed to help us to make the, the decisions and the right behaviors and do the different things that we're supposed to do from day to day. What's holding you together? Is it his love? Or is it something that we are we holding ourselves together? Are we trying to hold what we have together? Are we trying to hold our own lives together? What's holding you together? What's holding your heart together? What's holding your mind together? What's holding your decisions together to make the right decisions in the different relationships that you're in? What is holding things together? Is it his love or is it just pity or is it just you know just something artificial is it just or is it not love is it just obligation right you know it, it, sometimes it's not the love of Christ that holds things together and we have to be honest and we have to be truthful that it's not his love that's always leading us sometimes it's his truth leading us but even in his truth we subtract his love and we just try to just focus just on the truth but in his truth, his truth is given in love, but sometimes we'll rather give the truth and not give the love. We'll rather give people what is truthful, but then we don't want to follow it up with the love that comes with that truth, the love that that truth was born out of. Amen? So it is something when if we're constrained, it's something we're held by, meaning you're a prisoner. And what do prisoners have? No choice. <laughs> meaning in love, yes, Love is a, is a choice, but if you're being held by or constrained by the love of Christ, if you're saying, look, I submit myself to the love of Christ, I submit my myself to this love because I want to receive this love. But if I submit myself to this love, that means that I don't have a choice in me giving love and who I give love to. I don't have a choice. Because prisoners don't have a choice on what they eat from day to day. They don't have a choice on their schedule from day to day. They're in, they are in prison right that their life is belongs to someone else it belongs to someone else's schedule they don't have their own time amen because he said what because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead so how do you judge your walk how do you judge this thing how do you really judge it? It, it, it is this where you just focus just on the life but you maybe skip that death part because this is what holds us together is his love. But the only way this love comes alive is through us saying that I am dead, that me, I'm dead, meaning I don't have a life without his life. I, he is my life. The life that I now live, I live because it is his life, not mine. It, I don't have a life. I don't have a purpose. I don't have a goal. I don't have the things that he gives me. He puts it in my heart for me to be able to do. The people that he's put in my life, he put them in my life for me to be able to love and for me to be able to receive love. But I don't have a life. The problem is with some of us and with most of us and with all of us, is sometimes we don't look at this life as this is a life where we have to die first in order to live. But we have to die for us in even order in order to be able to love. 
Because love, the, you know, love is very closely related with death. <laughs> love is very closely related with death, meaning for me to really be able to show you love, I have to be able to put myself behind, put myself to the side. I have to be able to push me back because loving you means it's about you and it's not about me. But we want love to really be about us even when it's about somebody else. We're not dead in our love, in showing our love. Meaning it's not about the other person really being loved. It's about them being loved to the point of my comfort, them being loved to the point of that is, that is enough for me, that what I can handle. Amen? So we don't, we don't always just, you know, judge this thing that, you know, we're all dead, that everybody's dead. And see, this is the issue. The issue is that we're not all dead. We're, we're living. We're trying to show people who we are, and we want them to love somebody that's dead, that's supposed to be dead. We want them to love somebody that's supposed to be not bringing certain things to the table because we're dead. We want them to love, you know, yes, we're sinful individuals, but can we really be honest? When I look at myself, am I trying my best to die daily? Or am I making excuses? Am I, am I making excuses for where I want to live, where I don't want to let go of my flesh, where I don't want to change? I don't want to change my mind. I don't want to change my behavior. I don't want to change my ways. But we want someone else's love to overcome that and for them to be okay with that all the time. That is an illusion. That is a difficult thing to do all the time. Amen. So we're going to be talking about, we're gonna, I'm going to sober some things up today. I want to bring some balance to some things today because we're going to be talking about, you know, holding it together. What it takes to hold this thing together. Because it's not always easy to love somebody else. It's not always easy to show love when you don't feel like you're getting love in return. It's not always easy to, to, to say, okay, I'm going to keep on dying to myself. How do I live this dead life? When I feel like, okay, God, where is the life? Where is the love going to come from, from, you know, either them or someone else or, or, or wherever? Because many times what we're looking at in ourselves is how much we're giving up. We're looking at how much it's costing us. What is it that, you know, how much I have to put on the line and what I have to do and how much I got to die and how much it hurts me and how much I got to put up with from you and how much I got to do this and how much I got to do that. But we're not taking the point to say, you know what, we all got to die, meaning there's things that they have to do, you know, because they're dealing with us. There are things they have to put up with when they're dealing with us. But when it feels like there's a, 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 things are not balanced, then we say, well, you know, I don't want to keep on loving, and this is where we begin to start coming alive. Coming alive looks like this. I protect myself. God is not my defense. We know we, can, we sing the song, he's my great defender, but he stops being my defender because really I'm defending me because I don't really trust him. If we really be honest, we have sung the song, but we really don't trust God to be our defender. Because if we did, some of us would not be so guarded. 
if we really trusted him to be our defender, I'm not saying you got to be wide open to everybody and not be discerning. But at the same time, you can't be so shut off that people can't know you. You can't be walking around and so suspicious that, that you're always looking for a reason to see why you can't open up to a person. It, that is called unchecked pain and hurt and unforgiveness and bitterness that is lying there. That makes us suspicious of other people. Because we don't want to look at the pain that we have caused other people. That you still, it's still possible for you to still cause that level of pain to other people. Amen. I don't want to linger here. Let's go, let's go to verse 15. So, and, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So why do I love people? Not for them. I love people for Christ. I love people because this is what Christ is doing. This is what Christ wants to do. This is what Jesus, because I don't have a life. His life is mine. So I love people because this is what Christ wants to do through my life. I don't live for myself. And this is what makes love difficult because many times we cannot hold it together because there's so many holes in our love that we're trying. There's so many pieces, you know, we want to love a little bit here, protect ourselves here, lash out here. Get revenge over here, show our wrath here, show people how to back up from here and then open up the people here. If you really if you really begin to look at that, we're loving where we feel safe at. And Christ does not do that. Christ doesn't love just where he feels safe at. He loves when it's unsafe. He loves when it's not convenient. He love, And this is why he keeps on allowing us to be put in these situations, allowing us to keep on dealing with other people's sin and have to love them past that, allowing us to even see our own sin and see how other people have to love us past our own sin. Because we have to make sure what? That God is, that we're living a life not to ourselves. Ask yourself, ask the Lord, God, am I living a life to me? Because many times we say, well, look, this is what happened to me. And this is where I walked through. And this is what, but when God is trying to bring us to a place to break us out of things that we have walked out of, you know, that we're not experiencing anymore. And yes, childhood comes in and things that we walk through and the things that we deal with at a young age very, very much get ingrained in us. And it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of pain and inconvenience at times for us to break those things. But some things we don't even see. We think they're OK. And some things we're carrying as a badge of this is what I've been through and this is the way that I am the way I am and I don't really want to change that much. It doesn't matter how it's affecting other people. And yes, we're all different. We're all not going to be the same. Everybody's not going to act the same way, do the same things, but we're all supposed to be dead. The thing is, when I'm not living a dead life, when I'm not living a dead life, 
it becomes very painful to the people around me. We have to live from death. I'm going to say it again. Live from death. This is where love is born at now, because now I live from the place of giving. I live from the place of that I don't have anything. I'm giving you. I don't, I'm not trying to save or savor anything. My life is dead. My life is taken care of. I have life through Christ. But we don't always hold it together. <laughs> you know, we let it loose. Right. You know, because we don't want to stay dead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but we don't understand the way to life is through death. That's the way to life. Meaning the relationship that you don't want the most, the people that you don't want to be around, the people that makes you the most uncomfortable. That means there's something in you that needs to die, especially if God has called you to them and you got trust issues and you got issues with, you know, leadership and you got issues with authority. And God wants to teach you on how to begin to now allow healthy relationships into your life and what that feels like because it's not going to feel normal. It's not going to feel like it's healthy. It's not going to feel real. Amen? So sometimes God has to allow us to say, you know what, you're not dead in that area because you still feel pain. You still feel pain in that area. That area has now defined you instead of my word defining you in that area. So it's hard for you to be open to love, even people loving you, even through that area because you're just accustomed to the pain, but you're not accustomed to what it is not to have that pain, not to have that excuse, not to have that, that, that particular thing that says, you know what, this is why I am the way I am. And the deception, what God began to show me is that the deception is, is if you hold on to this, that this is what's going to protect you. But all it is is building bitterness in you. All it is is building, is building in loneliness in us. It, all it is is building mistrust in our hearts. And all it is is building this wedge between us and God that we feel like it's not happening, but it's happening slowly. Because God grows us through relationships here. Yes, you have a prayer life, but God grows you through relationships here. Meaning on the earth. <laughs> Who you connected with here. He grows you. He challenges you. He, 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 he causes us to, to grow and to flourish through the relationships here. Amen. Come on, give me verse 16. So wherefore, henceforth know we know, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. <laughs> so this is the thing. This is what people know us by, is the flesh. If you really was to ask someone, uh, ask your friends, who am I spiritually? Could they tell you? Ask yourself, do you know who other people are spiritually? Do you know who they are? Because if you don't know who they are, then it's very easy for you to mishandle them. And some of us sometimes have mishandled leadership, mishandled other people, because we don't know them spiritually. We just know them by the flesh. 
Meaning, oh, I know who their parents are, and I know who uh, their children are, and I know who they're married to, and I know, you know, they like this, and they dislike this, and all this. Other. But we don't know who they are spiritually. But we'd rather know someone in the flesh without knowing them spiritually. Because we want to be known that way sometimes. We want to be known in the flesh, meaning what, what I can bring to the table, what I can do. You know, when, it all, when it's all said and done, I want to know what God has put in you. Because that's why we're connected. And many of us are stopping the growth, stopping the love that we're supposed to have, stopping the, even the level of intimacy and trust that God wants to bring in our lives because we just want to know people by the flesh. And we want to be known by our flesh. Well, yeah, this is how my day, my work go and all this. Yes, all of that. Yes, that's fine. That, that's how we build relationship. But do you know who you around spiritually? Do you know your children by the spirit? Good and bad. To know someone by the spirit is to know them good and bad. And the clearer you know them is the more that God has trusted you to be able to love them through the good and the bad. Some of us, God cannot show us someone in the spirit that much because we're so judgmental. You can't see the good and the bad. You can't see their weaknesses and their strengths and still be able to see the treasure that God has put on the inside of them. Because, yes, your weaknesses, does, it does have uh, an effect on what we can trust you with, what you can do, how we can handle you. What you know, we have to know that. You have to know that about me. You have to know what my weaknesses are to know how the wisdom on how to handle me. You have to know because if you don't know my weaknesses, then you'll only deal with me according to my strength. And if you really know weaknesses and strengths, they're very closely related. So too much pressure on the strengths will begin to now really at times begin to reveal the weaknesses. You know, the man of God sent me this, uh, this, this personality test. And the test was, you know, I can't remember the name of it, but the test was amazing on how much, when I answered all these questions, how much it really showed my personality. But it revealed to me some areas where I'm out of balance. Like where I feel like I could do too much at times, you know, where I may take on too much responsibility, where some people may look at like, well, you know, you're very optimistic. You know, sometimes maybe I'm not looking at the full picture because I can be very optimistic about things and things are just going to work out, you know, but you can be like that. But there's a place to, you know, the weakness of that is sometimes I don't calculate you know, what need, what, what the danger is in between it getting to a good place or even, even if it ever will, you know, because some things you have to kind of accept that, you know what, so maybe this is not a good idea or maybe this is not a good thing to do. Not that everything is always going to work out fine no matter what you do, right? So, uh, you know, sometimes some people may be on the other end of the spectrum. They're very pessimistic. They're very, they're very much trying to protect themselves and trying to make sure that nothing bad happens and always going through worst case scenarios and make sure that they're always prepared for these particular things. That can be a strength, but it also can be a weakness because they tend to not let people into their lives and they tend not to trust people and not to trust situations and not to take opportunities and not to be able to do, you know, the things that even God may put in front of them because of the risk.
their weaknesses. Do you know who you're around by the Spirit? And are you dealing with them according to that? Because sometimes, because we, because we want people to know us by the flesh, we have hurt people because we don't want to show them who we are spiritually or consistently walk with them spiritually. We don't want to do that. You know? We want to know, uh, be known by our flesh, be known by, you know, what I can do, how I can, how I can handle certain situations, or how I can back you up, and how I can, you know, and I understand that, right? You know, I understand that, you know, I go through the same vain imagination. Somebody tried me. Somebody said something crazy to me. You know, whether the person in the drive-thru <coughs> or whether somebody in the drive-thru or somebody cut me off on the road. You know, I'm at an age now, you know, I was at it before when I was young. I would, you know, I have followed someone before, you know. I have, you know, <coughs> when I was in my hometown. Which was really not wise, because my hometown is not, you know, uh, how can I say it? <laughs> it's not always safe for us brethren of the darker kind. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't as progressive as some other areas. Amen. You know, I'm not saying that there was lynchings and stuff going on, but it was not. Uh, you know, it's just not. It's not as progressive. Amen. So things could be, you know, switched around on me very quickly, <laughs> right? You know, so I wasn't thinking. I was a teenager, very hot-headed. Somebody cut me off or did something. Oh, and I followed them. I followed them for a while. I mean, they could have had a gun or anything. I won't think about none of that. Just crazy, right? Now, somebody cut me off, it, yet it do raise up in me, but I'm like, you know, I ain't really got time, you know? I don't, you know, that, just let them go about their business now. But I feel like that some of that comes with age because you just realize, you know what, I don't even really have time to exert that much emotional energy into somebody that I'm probably never going to talk to. You know, it just doesn't make sense, you know? I just, there's other things I need to do, you know? You know, I'm not saying it don't upset me, but it's just, I don't have time, you know? So I just let them, you cut me off, just go ahead. All right, let's just, let's just get on with the rest of the day. Amen? So, you know, but I'm not like that with everything. You know, anybody that do know me know I like to be listened to. You know, you listen to me. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. I'm trying to get all of what I'm saying out at times, right? I'm, I've become better to understand that people process things differently, so they have to sometimes interrupt what I'm saying. And that's fine. So I've become better at that. At one point, I was not good at that. Not good at that at all. Amen? So, you know, but what, what am I trying to say here? For us to be able to love someone, you have to know them by the Spirit. And knowing them by the Spirit is not just to know, just to be knowing. Meaning, to know someone by the Spirit means that I'm actually invested in trying to get them to their highest good if I love them. I mean, I want what's best for them. If I know you by the Spirit and I don't know, and I no longer want what's best for you, it's because I don't love you. If you know someone by the Spirit and you don't want what's best for them anymore, you don't want to see that God would change their life and change the way that they're doing things and stuff, it's because you don't love them like that. And you may not want to love them. Maybe that's, that, maybe that's the truth. But that just means that maybe you have become alive in this particular situation or this relationship to where now you feel like that you have 
have to protect yourself. And like I said, I want to sober this up and I want to balance this out some because many times we're we're saying things at times where it seems like just go ahead first in there and just do do everything. And, 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 you know, we're not talking about the pain sometimes that is inflicted when you do that. And and from the other person at times that may at times be really out of balance in their flesh. Can we be honest, right? Because if someone is living in their flesh a lot, they are inflicting a lot of pain. So, you know, that person that is, if you're living in your flesh a lot, you can expect someone to continuously because we're not Christ. Yes, we have to depend on Christ. But you can expect someone to continuously just be at ease with doing it. That, that, there's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some things that you have to kind of repair and really deal with. Amen? Come on. Give me verse 17. <clears throat> so that therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That new creature means a new creation means I have what? A new nature. A new nature. So this is something that we have to what? Re- receive from Christ. Because I don't always feel new. This new nature is, is a nature that it, it shows that love, that is willing to give that love, that is willing to give the balance of that love too. Just like we've talked about so many times, right? It's willing to give the balance of that love, whether we call it hard love or whether we call it, you know, softer or more gentler love. <clears throat> it is the love that we that we that is required in the situation that we're willing to give that love. That's what that nature is. Whether that's hard love or whether that is a love that may be a little more confrontational or love that may be a little more gentle. Amen. Either way, it's still love. Amen. It's all love. Amen. So we have to look at our, if we are that new creation, and that means if we be in Christ, if we be in Christ. To be in Christ means I am dead to me. That's what being in Christ means. I'm dead to me. I, I'm not alive to me. What does that look like from day to day? Meaning there are some things that, going, that is going to hurt me that I'm going to have to deal with because I'm a dead person. And sometimes as a dead person, in Christ, I still feel certain things because I am in the process of dying. Some things come to kill new areas of my flesh. And when you've been walking with Christ for a while, sometimes you forget or we don't always catch that God is actually trying to kill a new area or an area where we have not gone that far yet. We have not grown that far yet. We have not come to that place yet, right? And sometimes to enter into new spaces and new places, God has to begin to cut away new flesh or flesh that has not been dealt with yet, flesh that is still alive and is not dead yet. But because sometimes because of the balance of what we feel like we know about Christ and what God has revealed to us about himself Sometimes we forget that, you know what, I'm still going through a sanctification process that's teaching me how to hold this thing together. And sometimes because of how much I know, I begin to forget that, you know what, I still need to mature to the level at which I know. Knowing is not enough. 
the, 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 the actual nature has to be shown, meaning it has to be lived. Getting in revelation, if we really be honest, is God's responsibility. Meaning he wants to reveal himself. So getting a revelation is not really like, yes, it, it is great. It is something that, yes, you, we're supposed to get. But if, we, if you have a heart to know God, God will reveal himself. But what you do with now this information that you have, that is what exposes the new nature, the new creature that you are. Because he's revealing it to, for it to be done. He's not revealing it for it to just be known. He's revealing it for it to be completed, for it to be done. Amen? So he said, well, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is a scripture that we have to begin to receive by faith day to day. Day to day. Each day. Now, you know what? The old me is gone. The old me is dead, meaning it's passed away. Meaning I have to begin to say, you know what, God, I, you know, teach me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to live this. I, there's certain things that we have not even come into, uh, you know, come into knowing yet. There's things about the kingdom that we still yet to walk into. So that means that I'm not totally, you know, I'm not living a life that's that submitted quite yet. Right. There's things that, you know, I, maybe I'm submitting where I'm at right now, but I'm not, I may not be holding it together everywhere. And God is looking at the totality of my life, everything. Am I loving the way I'm supposed to? Am I holding it together the way I'm supposed to? Am I being constrained in death? Or am I coming back alive when it's convenient? Or when I feel like I'm offended? Because sometimes, because we have, you know, there are times where, and if we be honest, sometimes we say, well, God, I died in this area, and I feel like this person just drugged me. They just drugged me through. Or I died in this area, and I feel like you drugged me. I feel like you drugged me through. That you just allow certain things to happen, and I don't get it. That certain things just keep on, you know, happening to me. I just don't get it. How is how are you getting the glory out of all this pain? How does this make sense? How does this make me new? And this is what God is trying to teach us about death. He's trying to teach us that, you know, just because it's very, very difficult <coughs> doesn't mean that you need to come back alive to try to make it come so you can try to hold it together because you can't. I can't hold it together. It's very, very difficult at times in certain areas, but I can't hold it together. It's a continual submission, a continual saying, you know what, God, I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation, meaning I have a new nature. I have to allow that nature to come forth. And I have to stop giving myself passes and stop giving myself and start giving, stop giving excuses of why I can't do that. And actually say, okay, because we work hard at so many other things. <clears throat> How hard are you working to die? We're working hard to live, but how hard are you working to die? Meaning when you see a situation that you rather, that it do, does not seem favorable to you, 
that does not seem like it's, it's really swinging in your favor, that it seems like you're going to be put on the lower end of this thing, are you running to that situation to work through that death that it's supposed to produce in your life so you can actually know new life in that area? We don't run to death. We run away from it. We run away from it. Come on, give me verse 18. And all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. So what does reconcile mean? Because when we're talking about holding it together, right? When you're talking about hold it together, we have to begin to understand what does, you know, this kind of speaks to this too as well. What does reconcile really mean, you know? Uh, give me the definition for reconcile. And, you know, as we learn what reconcile really means, it says return to favor with or be reconciled to one to restore to friendship or harmony or to settle and resolve. So, <clears throat> and when we're talking about being reconciled, what, what Christ did for us as he began to reconcile us back to God, right? Meaning he said what? And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus. Meaning he took the first step to show love. And, and God shows us that, 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 that to really begin to hold it together in loving people who he could be very bitter with. Let's be honest, right? This creation that he created and all these things and, 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 and created this whole earth. And, and, and now this is the very, the, you know, and some of us, we understand this because, it's all, well, you know, I've, I've supplied all this stuff for you. You got, you know, you got children, you got anything, you know, even just a job or whatever, who you deal with. You can be doing stuff for people. And it almost feels like a slap in the face when it seems like they're not appreciative or they don't begin to handle things the way that you're asking them to handle it. So multiply that times a few billion. <laughs> right? We're dealing with maybe two or three situations. Multiply that times a few billion with God over different, and, and not even a few billion, let's just say a few trillion, an innumerable number of humans who have lived and died since Adam and Eve, and then get to the place where he sends his son knowing what they're going to do to him, but willingly doing it because of what? Love? If we really look at this, some of us would say, you know, that ain't don't sound like love to me. That doesn't sound like love. That sounds like abuse. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Why would I keep on giving these people a chance? Why would I keep on giving this person new opportunities? Why would I even give up something that's very special to me in order for them to be able to be in a better place and they weren't even asking for it? They wasn't even asking for it. Nobody was like, a majority of them was not seeking me, was not looking to be right with me. I had to destroy a whole generation and start over with Noah. Like, I mean, just think about from God's perspective, the amount of love that he has shown for us, for him to demand love from us to show this love. This is, if you weigh this thing out, when we begin to say, well, God, this just doesn't seem fair. Let's remember who we talking to. 
It's never been fair for him. You know, the most just one has stepped over his justice just to be merciful to people who weren't even calling for him so he can, so he can save them because that's how much he loved us. <laughs> it's amazing. The most holy one. The one that has done absolutely no wrong. You can lay no charge on him. He is absolutely perfect to send his son to go and walk on the earth and do the same thing just so he can call a people who don't really want him. This is why it seems out of balance. This is why we have to stay dead. This is why you got to constrain, hold it together, hold it together. Come on, you ought to look at yourself and say, hold it together. Come on, hug yourself and say, you know what, hold it together, hold it together. You can love through this. You can love through this. Yes, you can. Hold it together. Yes, you can. It's killing you, but it's supposed to. You can love through this. You feel like you're dying? Yes, that's true. You can love through this. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can open up and, and receive love in an area where you need to die at. Because sometimes it ain't just the giving of the love, it's the receiving. You're receiving it in a place where there's a lot of distrust, a lot of hurt, a lot of violation. A lot, it's very unfamiliar. There's a lot of perversion. So you don't let people into that space because you don't even know how to open up and, and, and be loved correctly without a lot of other stuff coming in. But you have to understand that there's a love that's more powerful than all of that, that God will empower a people to be able to love you through all of that. Amen? So he, 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 what? he reconciled us to himself in Christ Jesus and then said, okay, this is your ministry now. <laughs> so, so, so if you don't feel like you called to the ministry, I want to tell you this morning that that's, that's not accurate. If you are saved, if you name the name of Christ, you have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. You've been called to the ministry of bringing people back into favor with God back into favor with their family, back into favor with, you know, uh, different things, different, different relationships that they back into favor with themselves. Because so all things are, meaning he said, look, everything is God. He's a part of all of it. And him being a part of all of it, he said, look, I didn't sin. Christ wasn't doing this by himself. This is not something he said, you know what? Father, I know you don't like them. I'm, just let me go and do this by myself. I know you can't deal with it. No, he said, no, God said, no, I'm doing this and I'm sending you. This is what you have to realize. God has sent you into some people's lives. God has sent you to be that person at times to love people through where they are till they get to the place where they can be saved. It's a process. God has sent other people into our lives to help us, to love us through, to reconcile us back to God, to help us get to that place in our lives, with our lives, where it's, at, it's favorable with God, where we're friends with him, to restore friendship or harmony with him, to settle, to resolve some things with him. You have a ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Reconcile. 
For some of us, you know, it's an accounting word too, right? Give me verse 19. It's an accounting word because reconcile means to make things even to a certain extent or to, you know, count up the books, really, right? To, to make all the numbers align, you know, to where the math is correct, right? So if you spent $25 at, at Walmart, we need to know that that $25 come out of your bank account and it is accredited to going to Walmart. That is, that is reconciling, you know, the books in the simplest form, right? So if you spent 25, but they pulled out 30, <laughs> then there's, there's an improper reconciliation that it can't be reconciled, that there's not a meeting of, it, you can't settle or resolve this transaction because it's, it's not even, right? It's not correct, right? So in, in verse 19, he said, to wit that God was in Christ. And this is what's amazing to me. He wasn't just in Christ to show him in the world himself. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And how did he do this? By not imputing their trespasses unto them. Imputing means pretty much laying judgment the proper judgment for their trespasses. And this is one of the keys, and this is how we know that sometimes we're not, we're not dead yet because we're still imputing trespasses. Yeah, we're still imputing them. We don't forget what people do. And if we do forget them, like we said before, we don't let them off the hook because we still want revenge. We still want them to feel it. We still want, we, don't, we, don't, we do not want to let people go. Why should they ever be let go from that? I would never do that. I would never. Stop it. Because he's committed unto us, what? The word of reconciliation. Meaning, my, 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 my testimony and even my, the power of me being able to give the gospel, if I have all these broken, reconciled situations in my life, it's difficult for me to be able to give the gospel to other people and say, oh, yeah, you can be at, at, at peace with God, at peace with, other, with your life. And with, but we're not at peace with certain people. We have imputed their trespasses against them. And God is in us trying to get them to reconcile to, to, to himself. This is why God keeps, if you ever ask yourself or ask God, God, why do you keep on sending me back? Why do you keep on, you know, uh, making me open up? Why do you keep on, you know, making me be the one that's first or making me be, be the one that, that, that says something? Because God is trying to reconcile them. Maybe you're reconciled. Maybe you understand that, that you have this. God has given you that word. Maybe they don't want that word yet. So God has to use the person that is open, which in this situation was Christ, use the person that's open to say, you know what, go to these people who are going to reject you, who don't like you, who are not going to understand you, and still deal with them and reconcile them to me because I want them. So you may not want them no more, but God still wants them. You don't want to deal with them no more, but God keep on wanting to deal with them. That's why he keeps on dealing with you through them. Or with you, and he keeps on dealing with them through you. We can get tired of dealing with people, but God is enduring. He, he, he's patient. And sometimes he'll say, no, 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 I need you to keep on. Just go, go back again. Open up again. 
Love him some more. Forgive him one more time. Forgive him one more time. Come on, show them what love is. Because I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to show, you, you say you want my glory. This is what my glory looks like. We talking about the power and the favor and the splendor. This is what the glory of God looks like through his forgiveness is glory. Come on now. We wouldn't even know what his glory is if we were not forgiven by him. Amen. You know, so we have to know, you know what? Look, it is through forgiveness that his glory begins to show up. It is through the death of the trespasses, the death of what, you know, the sin that has not been imputed. When I have to let go of something, I have to die to my offenses and I have to die to my to my anger. And I got to die to my bitterness and my unforgiveness and my revenge and my wrath and my malice. And when I got to die to all of that. When I got to die to all of that and say, okay, I open up again and I trust God. I don't trust the person. I trust God. I don't trust the flesh. I trust God because God is the one that's sending me. Amen. So God was what? In Christ. For a purpose. You say you got him. What is his purpose in you? What is his purpose in you? If he's in you, what's he in you for? To speak in tongues? Oh, come on. To shout? Come on. No, it is to love. It is for his glory to be shown. It is for a world to be reconciled. It is for a broken people to be brought back to him. The other stuff is for us. That's for us to, to stay in him. The speaking in tongues, the, the shouting, the dancing, the giving him praise, the worshiping, all, that's for us. But that is for us to stay in him. But he's in us for the, for the world that he wants to reach out to. So that means what? Today, let somebody go. Let the trespasses go. I mean, there's some things, just don't bring it up no more. And if you haven't worked through it, work through it and then let it die. Because how many times God then came back and came back and told you about all that stuff that you used to do in the sense of that it's condemning you with the same fire and fervency that and the same wrath that he would have dealt with you with before. He may remind you what he saved you from so you can be thankful. But that's what he does. He doesn't remind us to try to condemn us. But we remind people to condemn them. We remind people because we know hey, this is why I can't trust you. Okay, amen. You can't trust them, amen. Trust God. What we really don't say is God won't let me stop dealing with you so I don't really trust him either. Because <laughs> he won't let me get my way. I won't trust him. I don't want him to keep on sending me away. I don't want to go. I don't trust him. This doesn't make sense to me. I don't trust him. All right. Come on, give me verse 20. Amen. So, so now then what? We are ambassadors for Christ. As through God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Look at this. He said, look, you are ambassadors for Christ. Meaning, even in the closest relationships. Because, see, we, we, when we say ambassadors, we think about, oh, it's out there in the streets. 
Oh, when I go out into the marketplace and I go out into these different places, I represent Christ. But do you represent him at home? Are you an ambassador at home? Are you ambassador in your closest relationship? I got a lot of love work to do, so please don't think that I'm... <coughs> I'm not coming with a condemning word this morning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, I got a lot of love work to do. Because the level of love that needs to be shown, I'm not always willing to do that. I'm not willing to be a representative. This is what an ambassador means. Meaning I represent Christ. I don't represent me. I'd rather represent me. Come on, I know I'm not by myself, right? I'd rather represent me. Because representing me means that I have more control over the situation. When I'm an ambassador, that means I have to tell the one who sent me, I have to, I have to do what, what, uh, what the one who sent me is telling me to do. Because I'm not representing myself, meaning it's not about me. It's about what he wants. And if I can be honest, I don't always want what he wants. I don't think any Christian does. You don't always want what he wants. That's the whole point of this new nature. We don't always understand it. Because we think that that, that the good is bad and the bad is good. Because we're perverted. That's what we look at things backwards. It's good for me to shut everybody out of my life because that's the way I don't get hurt. These are lies. (laughs) That's a lie. That's 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 not good. Because then this is the way you get alone. This is the way you're alone, and then you start struggling with depression and suicide. So are you not still getting hurt? Maybe it'd be better for you just to deal with the pain and let people into your life and learn how to have healthy relationship with people through the good and the bad. That's more realistic. Hold it together, meaning hold it in death. Stay dead. Quit coming back to life. Because when you come back to life, you come back to life to inflict a little pain because this is the way you get your revenge. Because you say, well, I ain't do the revenge I wanted to do, but you're still doing a little, little bit of revenge here and there. You know, it's the shots that we take, right? It's the words that we say. But what I really want to do is drag you. Or what I really want to do is, <laughs> you know, so because I ain't doing that, it's not revenge. Lies. It's still revenge. I'm still getting, I'm getting some satisfaction to hurt you because you hurt me. I want you to feel it. So he said, well, look, this is Paul. And you see Paul doing this. Well, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to God. Be ye reconciled to God. So he said, look, he's calling this church that had gone through such brokenness, that gone through this discipline. Now he's saying, look, come on back to him. 
now that you understand the boundaries because we're talking about two books that shows love what love looks like sometimes yes I do have to separate there's a time to separate there's a time for space there's a time to deal with something there's a time for discipline there's a time that says you know what I need a little bit of time yes I'm not saying that you don't take that time but then there's a time of coming back and this is what we don't do we don't deal when that time it comes to come back together and deal with things and process through things and now make things good because we didn't take that time away to actually process through what we need to process through that we're gonna have to deal with the individual again that we're gonna have to maybe deal not just with the individual but even if we don't ever deal with them we still have to deal with some similar situations again how do I come back together how do I be reconciled how do things get get settled and resolved I gotta let God in and I gotta represent him because sometimes if I represent me some people will never have another chance some situations will never happen again some healing would never happen some love I'll never experience if it's up to me Come on, give me verse 21. We're going to end. So, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, look at this. He said, Look, this is why. We're ambassadors for him because the only way we're representing him is because he took on our sin. So, are you dealing with the other person like. God has taken on their sin too. That God can heal them too. That God can deliver them too. How are you dealing with yourself in that matter? There's certain situations, you know, we say, God, you know, forgive me for what I've done, but, you know, help me to clean up this mess. Help me to clean up what I really, you know, what I, what, what I really have done. Show me how to clean it up. Sometimes we receive forgiveness, but then we don't, we don't see that there's other boundaries that still need to be set in place. There's still things that still need to be changed, that we still need to change in certain, and we still need to die in certain areas in order for a person even to open up and begin to trust you again. We don't know that we have, that we have broken trust so deep at times that it would, it, it's going to take a lot for these things to be made right. We don't know the level of disrespect that we've shown someone because sometimes we won't sit down and listen to someone else's pain because we're more concerned about our own pain. Our own offense. Or the time we was offended and I had to let it go, so you just need to let it go too. Okay? But are you not still mad about letting it go? Because it seemed like to me the rolling of the neck, you may still be mad about letting it go. That you had to let it go. I had to let it go. You got to let it go. <laughs> you know, amen. okay. Let them go through their process too. How about we come together and begin to pray and ask God to help us because we're on the same plane. We're in the same boat. You messed up, I messed up. It's not one over the other. We both messed up. The only thing that's going to heal this is his love and him showing us how to love each other. 
how to deal with each other, how to support each other, how to be there for one another. I don't know how to be there for people like that. I'm learning. I'm talking about even down to, you know, people in my life right now. I'm learning how do I be there for them? How, what does that look like for me? How do I allow people to be there for me? Amen? So I want to encourage you this week, hold it together. Hold it together. Let, let love hold it together on the inside of you. I know you want to let loose, and maybe you're still angry about some things. Hold it together and let, 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 let death heal you. Let you die into the pain and actually letting it go heal you. Let you die into the offense and actually forgiving heal you. And actually be first. Sometimes we're waiting on other people, but God was always first. Sometimes be the person that actually does it first. Thanks for tuning in and please make sure to visit us at churchoffilla.com for more podcasts and ways to connect with us on social to like, subscribe, follow, and share content as it comes along. Special thanks to those who give in so many ways to this ministry. We could not do any of this without you. And if you want to give or be a part, visit churchoffilla.com forward slash give for more information. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.